Hello and welcome to the Win-Win Podcast by Highspot. Join us as we dive into changing trends in the workplace and how to navigate them successfully. I'm your host, Marissa Benrum. Today, we'll discuss how COVID-19 and virtual work have changed the marketing landscape. I've invited my friend Robert Rose from the Content Advisory to help us explore these challenges and opportunities. Welcome, Robert, and thank you for joining us. Can you introduce yourself and your role to the audience? Oh, I certainly can, Marissa. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be a guest on your show, which is really, really wonderfully fantastic. Uh, Yes, my name is Robert Rose, and I am currently, well, I have two roles, really, the chief strategy advisor for an organization called the Content Marketing Institute which of course is a media company where we really evangelize the approach of content marketing through events and blogs and webinars and all those kinds of things. Um, And then my role as a consultant, I really work with lots of brands all over the world (laughs) these days, mostly by Zoom, um, and help them operationalize their content, working with these brands to figure out the people, the process, the technology of how content can be made a functional strategy in, in their business. And, um, and in between all of that, I, as you know, I host a podcast or two and uh, have written a couple of books and um, keep myself busy otherwise in this wonderfully locked down world that we find ourselves in. Thank you so much, Robert. And I have been a huge fan even before I was able to join your podcast. So thank you for letting me join and be a part of, you know, your amazing content that you're creating at Content Marketing Institute as well. Sure. Perfect. So Robert, recently at Highspot, we conducted a survey across different marketing functions. And the goal was to uncover marketing challenges that have emerged as a result of the global pandemic and virtual work. You know, both, I think, bring similar but different challenges to marketers across the world. And the results felt very relatable. Nothing truly surprised me because I am a content marketer and experienced the same things. But I thought it was really interesting that though they are similar challenges that we've seen forever with marketing, it seemed that they had become even more heightened. And so the three big challenges that we found through the survey was understanding how to better engage customers, uncovering what content is most effective, and understanding what content sellers find most valuable. So again, this has always been an issue for marketers. I think everyone has these goals that they're trying to solve for, but it seemed that they had been exquisitely heightened by working virtually, not having your sellers, you know, next door to you. Everyone is vying for eyes of buyers that are also working virtually and every marketer only has virtual ways to now engage with those buyers. Robert, would you say that these are the biggest challenges that you're seeing as well with marketers and organizations that you work with? Well, I think you you said it well, right? These are not necessarily new challenges, but I think they have a new wrinkle mm-hmm. added to them, which is, you know, something that, you know, we've been calling the decommodification of physical space, I think is sort of the overarching new wrinkle to those three challenges, which is, you know, forever the idea of how to engage customers and how to create content that has impact and all of the things that we were challenged to do with content was always in a world where 
the digital experience or the content experience we were creating was an adjunct to the physical space. Right. In other words, it was where you went and downloaded the conference presentation after you attended the conference, or it was where you went to get the experience after you had the salesperson visit you in your office, or it was the website that you did the research for um, before you invited people into your you know, group to do training or whatever it is. It was sort of sitting alongside it. And now the idea of the digital content experience is not just sitting next to, it's a replacement. It has to actually act as a proxy of that physical, intimate relationship building that we could do in person at a conference, at a client, wherever it is we were having physical presence with our products and services in many ways has to replace all of those things. And so when we, what I see when I see the same challenges that we've seen for, you know, forever is that this wrinkle is really just putting an extra emphasis Mm -hmm. on the need to get great with digital content and the digital experiences we're creating because they're just that much more important. I absolutely love that term digital experience because I think what also has become profoundly clear um, (laughs) through the last year is that customer experience is more important now than ever before. It's always been really important, right? But really guiding your buyers, you know, potential customers or existing customers through virtual experience that actually convinces them that you are the right vendor or partner, whatever term you want to use. I feel like marketers have become so much more important to the funnel for organizations because this is really the only way to get buyers into the door before sellers are able to wow them with the product in sales pitches. What is your kind of take on how to elevate these virtual experiences for customers to ensure that marketers are really getting that foot in the door and able to help fill the funnel and convince these buyers to move. Yeah, well, certainly all of that is true. And I think the the one thing we're seeing companies do that are leading this charge is the same things that make up the wrinkles and the challenges that aren't different. This It's the same answers but they're more accelerated now. In other words, the answers to the challenges are the same, which is to get better at it, basically. (laughs) Um, But what I mean by that is because that's an unsatisfying answer for sure. Um, (laughs) Agree. (laughs) Yeah. But what we're seeing is this need to connect these digital experiences because what has happened as we've gotten more proficient with digital content and creation of digital experiences is, we've also become just as siloed, right? We've become siloed in marketing and sales and customer experience and loyalty and all of those digital experiences that we create were kind of off on their own island in many cases. And while that was okay and everybody sort of realized, well, that's a problem and we really should try and solve it. And, you know, it's really difficult and it's not okay anymore. It has to be it, the, the pressure to get those things connected. You know, it's funny, we, we often look at our website And the only insight that we have into improving it or personalizing it or making it more relevant is the insight we get from the ad tech or the Google or, you know, whatever it happens to be report that says how visitors were accumulated there. We don't have data going back and forth between the experiences to help 
improve them and to connect them in a way that makes them more personal and more relevant and more useful for customers. And so the answer to that is where we're seeing it get elevated is where you can actually start to connect things like your blog, the website, the e-commerce channel, the email channel, the text experience, all of those things that are where they know about each other and they're using the data in a smart, transparent, and intelligent way to deliver you a better experience instead of the siloed thing that we've been dealing with for so long. Love that answer so much. And it, you know, makes me pause to think about ways that we can better provide a cohesive experience from website to email marketing, from demand gen to content. Um, so I completely agree and, and love that insight as well. A few other challenges that we kind of found in this survey is, as we said earlier, uncovering content that is most effective, better understanding what content resonates most with your sellers, as well as understanding what buyers are looking for, whether it's topical, you know, what topics are they most engaged with, as well as what kind of content. Is it a webinar? Is it a podcast? Is it an infographic? Is it an ebook? And so what is your best practices that you can offer or have seen work for some of the organizations and marketers that you work with to really better understand your content landscape, as well as what topics and what kind of content are buyers engaging with now to really help move that needle? Yeah. It's difficult. Uh, there's no doubt about it, you know, and these new wrinkles certainly haven't made it any easier. The one thing that we say that is helpful to think about when starting is that in many organizations, and especially those that have a separate, you know, field sales, field marketing, enterprise sales, enterprise marketing, you know, demand generation, PR, you know, there, there are siloed teams working on various parts of the customer's journey is for a moment, don't think about de-siloing the organization. That is typically above our, you know, consumers pay grade and where, you know, they're, they're having to work every day. But what we can do is start thinking about how do we de-silo the customer's experience? Even if we start with one bridge, right? Just something as simple as, Hey, if I subscribe to the blog, I shouldn't have to re-put in my email address if I want to subscribe to the resource center on the website. You know, those kinds of simple, easy changes that I know are not so simple and not so easy. You know, you need good technology in order to do all of those things. But really finding the small, easy wins where we can start to connect these experiences in a way that one, gives us a better singular view into the customer journey themselves. And two, starts to join the content journey for them so that they're not frustrated and we decrease the friction on the things that they're trying to do as they go through our various digital content. And just start small and then do the next one and the next one, then the next one. And if you can start to de-silo the journey, it's just a weird thing. What happens is you start de-siloing the organization as a result. And so maybe that can be a helpful you know, 2021 tip which is don't think about trying to de-silo everybody. And what we can do is we can start looking at the customer's journey and seeing how we de-silo that one, one step at a time. You got me thinking about some of the organizations and vendors that I follow very closely. You're right. I downloaded an ebook and clicked a button that said, yes, send me newsletters and blog posts and so on and so forth. And that's how I've become so consumed by these brands without even realizing it. They they swindled me the way that you're recommending. And so I completely agree that 
it's all about coming back to your point, keeping buyers within this virtual experience. It's making sure that they have an experience from start to finish with your brand, regardless of what activation you perhaps are putting forth at the time. So whether it's a blog post or it's a new ebook or podcast or webinar, it becomes a lot easier to consume that content when you've made it easy for me. When I'm receiving this information and it's not taking a lot of my time or energy, I'm going to be more prone to say yes and join and pop in and see what you have to say and mention this, you know, to a boss or a colleague as I move further down the funnel and say, oh yeah, I actually listened, you know, to a podcast episode recently that talked about this exact thing with this vendor. Completely agree with you there. It actually sparked another question for you. What are some predictions that you have that you think marketing, content marketing in particular, or product or field marketing may see change over the next year? I think it's a related thing. Um, You know, I mean, there's lots of wonderful predictions. And I think many of them, you and previous guests will have spoken to the idea of, you know, the the rise of audio as an audio, you know, as a format, the, you know, and not, not this podcast withstanding, right. Um, But, but then there's also video and multimedia and the delivery of that, the resurgence or renaissance, if you will, of email marketing. I think there are a lot of trends for 2021 that will continue. And certainly we're going to still see the more direct to consumer types of efforts, both in B2B and B2C because of everything we just spent the last 20 minutes talking about. But the one prediction that I will mention because I think it's really important for call it marketers, content marketers, or, you know, digital marketers more broadly is one of the things that we're seeing businesses do is join up the skill sets needed for what we would commonly call content in the business. You know, it used to be good enough for content marketers to be able to write well, create some good content, maybe do a little design, maybe have some brand journalism in their background and, and, and be good with that. But now we're seeing businesses go, you know what, things like taxonomies and workflow and CMS and measurement and SEO and content structure and dam management and and all of those things are incredibly important too. And so where we're seeing content marketers really succeed, you know, the storytellers in the business is when they start to add a bit to their T-shaped skills, if you will, right? So in addition to being great storytellers, they should also be great content strategists as well. And the ones that we're seeing really succeed, and I think the trend for this year, are those that can broaden out their skill sets to some of those more technical types of approaches. Yeah. Like you said, in order to be successful with the changes that have occurred over the last year, and and we're still waiting to see, you know, how much more things will continue to change. You have to wear many hats and you have to have different sets of skills and talents in order to think outside of the box. You know, you can't just be a content strategist without putting together kind of visually what in your head you see this buyer's journey looking like or a campaign looking like. And I think that as a content marketer myself, that has been an area that I've been forced to grow in in the last year. No more is it just about words, but when I meet up with our design team or our digital team, what is the experience that I want our buyers to have? What does it look like? What is it going to feel like? What kind of emotions are we hoping to tug at to get them to be interested in the things that we're saying, um, the story we're trying to tell? And I think that's hard to do when you're so siloed in one function of the business. It's hard for you to kind of come outside of yourself to say, hey, even though I'm a content marketer, 
this is how I see it leading into a campaign for product marketing or customer marketing or demand gen, you know, here are ways that we can kind of thread the needle through multiple different functions to make sure that the audience, our buyers, our prospects, you know, existing customers, if you will, are getting the best experience possible because it's not just one way of viewing this interaction and experience. I will have to absolutely agree with you there. One other question I did have for you, similar to the previous one about predictions for the year, are there trends that you have kind of taken note of that you think are a good idea to watch for, jump on board? You know, is there any insider insights that you want to share from what you've seen working with the different organizations and marketers that you do? You know, I think the um, well, we just spoke about two, which were the the idea of audio and, and and video for sure. And I think you know the ones that you know, and we we've all seen the sort of rise of Clubhouse and some of the acquisitions that Twitter has made um, in the audio space. We can see podcasting certainly as a new trend with you know companies like. Amazon and Spotify making acquisitions in you know very very quickly in this space. And so as a content marketer as a marketer it really just perks up my ears to start to think about things like audio. How do I start to really take advantage of audio and video that goes along with it? It's almost my thinking these days has really been around this idea of linear experiences, you know, so both audio and video are pretty much, you know, even though you edit them in a nonlinear way, they become linear experiences for your consumer. It's not the kind of thing that people just sort of skip around and browse through, right? They, you either, you're in or you're not, right? You either listening or you're not, or you're watching or you're not. And, and I think it's a huge challenge for us to get really good at this, right? Where, you know, we, we look at, you know, obviously television and movies and radio and, great podcast and go, wow, they really know how to create a strong set of narratives there in that linear experience. And I think that's where we have the most growth and quite frankly, a huge opportunity this year with so many people, you know, being stuck in front of their screens. Well, we can give them something to look at. We can give them good things to look at. We just need, really need to push ourselves and push the medium and push our creativity. So for me, it's all about audio and video this year is the trends and how do we as brands and marketers get really good at it? I absolutely love that and completely agree that audio, video is the kind of content that I'm consuming and the kind of content I want to create for other people is great audio and video. I appreciate the recommendation. I completely agree. But is there a recommendation that you have for how to think about that strategy and how to, you know, start to deploy that within your organization? You know, and here's the funny thing. This will go right back to where we started the show, which is experiences that sit in parallel to the ones you've already created, right? And we talked about this as a, you know, a challenge that we have. And this is really where we can start to expand our brains when it comes to how do we develop content. Just simple things, certainly, like, you know, if you've got a blog, 
one of the things that I'm working on, for example, is making all my blog posts available as an audio stream. If you would prefer to listen to it rather than read it, there's that opportunity. You know, if you're taking a walk or whatever and you want to have a five minute you know, quote unquote, listen instead of a five minute read. That's one thing. Webinars, uh, the idea of online content delivered through video shows. Then of course, there's the classics, you know, launching a podcast, launching a, a video cast, getting your YouTube channel all set up. All of these things I think are going to play, you know, into the sort of at one side of the spectrum, launching shows, like launching actual shows that we want people to subscribe to all the way to literally just offering up different ways to consume the same content we've been creating. You know, that interview with our CEO, yeah, it's nice that we have it on a wonderful 1200 word blog post, but let's get the audio of that video up too, or let's get the video or both, right? Where we can start offering ways to consume the content based on the ways that people really want to get it. I think that is such great recommendations because sometimes I will have time and energy to listen to something. But if it's a video, it, it feels for some reason more consuming for me to watch a video, even though I can avert my eyes and continue to listen. It's the idea that it's in video format that makes me feel like I don't have the time for it. But once you say that, oh, it's an audio file or it's a podcast, somehow I have time for that. I really appreciate the idea of taking you know, a blog post and putting it into an audio format or taking a video and decoupling it and putting it into audio and video. So whatever your preference is, giving your audience multiple ways that they can consume the same exact thing. From what I've heard from colleagues um, who have done it, um, say it's 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 increased engagement like a lot. Like they are getting much more increased engagement on the content that they had created. And a lot of that, I think, is because it's that linear experience, right? You know, so you think about a blog post and you go read it and read is sort of a, you know, <laughs> let's be honest, we stretch that term a lot, right? And we read it, but we really, you know, we read the headlines and maybe we read one of the little blocks of text in there and got the main message of it and went, okay, I'm done, right? But if it's a linear experience, like an audio, you're going to listen to it, right? And to your point, right, you might listen to it while you're multitasking or doing other things, but you listen to the whole thing, right? You listen to all five minutes of it or eight minutes of it or however long it is. So that increased engagement is something I'm hearing is, is something really valuable. And it certainly makes for, going back to our original discussion, a better customer experience. I'm taking so many notes based on this conversation for things that I'm planning to walk away with and new ideas for our content strategy here at High Spot. So Robert, thank you so much. This was just as informative and educational for me as I think anyone who may be listening to this. So thank you for your time and for joining us on the Win Win Podcast. It's always a pleasure. Absolutely my pleasure. So thank you so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate it.